Hey, I hope that worship was really meaningful to you. You took some time, like a little break, to kind of focus your hearts and your minds on God and how good He is. I know it's been a challenging year, but He is good and faithful, and I'm praying that you've experienced that. We're jumping into a message in our Room Enough series called Room Enough for the Gift. We're going to talk about that from Isaiah chapter 9 and verse starting at verse 6 through the end of that section there, and we're going to... We're going to read that in a second, but would you just pray with me to start? Dear God, we just need you to speak to us um, through me. Just get me out of the way and do your thing. We trust you. We love you. Some of us, we need strength because we're exhausted. Would you, would you use your word to give us strength? Some of us need encouragement because we're ready to quit. Would you use your word to encourage us? Some of us, we need you to break through our apathetic, kind of stuck hearts. Would you use your words to break through our apathy and to help us get excited about who you are again in our lives? And we, you, know, you know our heart's needs. Wherever we're at, whatever's going on, we just pray that you would reach through, reach through all of the noise and all of the stuff. Your spirit would just take over the moment and speak your words to our souls, do your thing in our lives. We're here and we're saying we're willing and we're saying we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk about gifts today. The message is called Room Enough for the Gift. Listen, like two weeks ago we talked about how we could have room enough for trust, and we learned some lessons from Mary about moving from anxiety to adoration. You could go back and check that from two weeks ago if you want, and check all of the series talks out if you miss some at gracefreechurch.net slash talks, and uh, you can catch the whole series there. Last week, we talked about we talked about Joseph, and we talked about how you have to have room enough to get past it, and the stuff in his life that popped up that you got to get past. There's tons of stuff in life, challenges that, that present themselves, that get us stuck, and how he took faithful steps to get past those things. That's how you get past it. You, you just keep taking the steps, and how your steps, when life gets hard, are so much more they bear so much more fruit. They're so much more important. All of the steps are important, but the steps we take when life is difficult, the faithful steps, they matter so much. I hope you took some steps this week. I hope, and, and today what I want to talk about is, is the greatest gift, and maybe kind of raising the value of this gift back up in our vision. Like it's time to really see this gift, to reacquaint ourselves with this gift and all that it means for us, the gift God's given to us. Uh, let's just read this in Isaiah chapter 9, and, and then we'll, we'll talk about it and break it down a bit and see, see where this thing goes this morning. Isaiah chapter 9, it says, for to us, just let these words kind of like hit you, wash over you for a second, just settle your minds and your hearts, and kind of quiet the distractions, and just listen to the, to the words, the word of God for us, for to us, a child is born. Somebody, like, put a, put a mark there. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, 
mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, if that's the passage we want to focus on, it goes on. I'll just read this because it's so good. But that's the part we're going to focus on today. It says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. As spoken words in the midst of the chaos of life. Words of hope in the midst of the difficult circumstances. See, these words were spoken from the prophet Isaiah, God's prophet to the people of Israel, when everything around them was falling down. When they were thinking that maybe it's never going to get any better. Life's never going to change. We're never going to get our nation back. We're never going to be restored with our brothers and sisters. Everything was so bad, but yet in the midst of the darkness and confusion, for to us comes. For to us, in the midst of the darkness, there will come light. For to us, in the midst of the difficulty, comes hope. For to us, in the midst of the struggle, comes some breath of relief. In the midst of the chaos, for to us comes some peace. It's a beautiful passage that reminds us that our faith is not a dead faith. It's alive. It's, it's a beautiful passage that reminds us in the midst of our own difficulty, in the midst of our own struggle, in the midst of our own confusion, in the midst of our own exhaustion, our faith points us to what God's going to do next. And his word reminds us that he's going to do something. And this word reminds us that our greatest hope, the greatest something the world has ever seen, the biggest gift we could ever receive was wrapped in a manger. I don't know what Christmas traditions you have. You have some Christmas traditions. You got some traditions you, you participate in every year. Maybe it's like you got some breakfast quiche going on Christmas morning. I love me some breakfast quiche on Christmas morning. Maybe like growing up, my mom always did bubble bread and fresh squeezed orange juice. We don't do the fresh squeezed orange juice much anymore because, well, you know how much of a pain in the rear end it is to squeeze oranges to make fresh orange juice when you don't, you got, like, it's okay to, like, squeeze enough for yourself. That's not a big deal. But when you got to, like, squeeze enough orange juice to feed an entire family who does not appreciate that you just squeezed all of those orange juice and they're just like, gug, 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 gug. Man, you can forget that tradition. But we keep, we keep doing the kind of monkey bread or bubble bread, it's called. It's a good tradition that we keep going on, and my kids love it. My brothers come over and devour it most years, and, and uh, it's, it's good. What Christmas traditions you got going on? A lot of our Christmas traditions revolve around beautiful parts of Christmas. Some of them revolve around, around gifts. Maybe you have, like, some gifts exchange you do or a, a moment where you share a gift with somebody that's meaningful for you. Maybe that's part of your tradition. You know, you may look at this as like a bad thing, but one of my Christmas traditions is I'm not, when everybody goes to bed, as I'm tidying up some work at night, I'll put on The Office and I'll just watch the Christmas episodes from each season. I know some of you are like, man, we don't even get that show. I think you're 
awful, maybe it's a vice, maybe it's heroic, okay, it's not heroic, but I like to do it, like I like watching those episodes, and one of the traditions that a lot of offices participate in that's found on that show, that I found so, so kind of like meaningful as I reflected on it was, was uh, they do Secret Santa in the office, you know Secret Santa, some of you, some of you do Secret Santa, you get a name, nobody knows whose names, everybody kind of put them in a, in a bucket and and, you know, you pick some names out months ago, and then you go buy a gift for that person. Usually there's a price limit. Hey, yo, it's a great way to keep the cost of Christmas down, and it's fun, and you can get something meaningful for somebody that, that you work with or somebody in your family. I know lots of families do uh, secret Santas, and, and it can be a real blast. The problem is, like, Michael Scott, the boss, he got, the, he got Ryan, the kid, the new kid, the temp at his office, and he wanted to impress him, and he wanted to be his bestie, and so he blew past the entire, all the rules, and he got, he got Ryan an iPod. He, he didn't want it. He kind of wanted everybody to know he got an iPod for Ryan, because that's how how great he was as a gift giver. That's how good he was. He got the expensive thing with his bonus. And he got an iPod. An iPod's an awesome gift, right? But like, you know where I found this iPod? I found this iPod in the bottom of one of my junk drawers. I don't even know if it turns on. I couldn't tell you where the charger was. I don't, I don't even know if the charger might be thrown out. I found this iPod with these ear things that are constantly getting tangled. You know, it's a beautiful gift. It was an expensive gift. It's a meaningful gift, but it's a gift that's quickly outdated. The next year, everybody's lined up outside Apple stores to get whatever thing is replacing this. It's a lot of fun, and it's exciting for a moment, but then, man, that year's over, and I don't need it anymore. I'm going to move on to something better and it gets tossed. Like that's, a, that's that kind of gift. A lot of us treat our faith like that. Right? Like it's really exciting and meaningful and important for a year. Maybe we rush into it. But then you know what? It's kind of like old news after a while. Maybe we don't need it anymore. Maybe there's something new or flashy that jumps into our lives. It hits the shelf. It gets stuck in the drawer. We don't really pull it out anymore. And the gift, well, it's just not as meaningful as we thought it once was. There's, a, there's another one in there. She, she, makes, she is Michael. This is what blows the whole thing up. And Michael gets really mad and he ends up making a Yankee swap or a white elephant gift, right? Like she nipped Michael an oven mitt. I love that they came up with these, these kind of like main gifts to grab all of the attention, the three main gifts that get all the focus because I think they represent all kinds of gifts you know, I think they're almost like gift categories. You got the iPod gift category. They're fun and exciting, but then outdated. You got the oven mitt gift category. It's useful and not really useful all the time, just useful some of the time. It's really practical gift. It's not that exciting, not that meaningful, and, and kind of cheap. And that's some of your experience with church, right? Or faith. You, you kind of look at this whole relationship, church thing, God thing. It's kind of outdated, kind of practical. You know, there's some, I guess there's some use for it and some meaning. You like, you like that you have it in the drawer so you can pull it out, put it on when things get hot in your life. 
when you got to deal with a situation that could burn you. You like that you can pull your faith out, pull it out of your pocket, and re-engage it a little bit. But then as soon as you're past that hot thing, you put it back in the drawer. It's kind of like a cheap, cheap gift. It's, uh, it's not that important. Just maybe useful sometimes. And then there's like Jim... The other gift that gets all the attention, Jim has his teapot. His is green, but you know how hard it is to find a real teapot? I had to sneak this out of the house. My wife's going to kill me when she sees this and knows that I snuck this very sentimental teapot out of the china cabinet and brought it over here. You're welcome, honey. I'm planning on returning this home safely. And, uh, you know, Jim got Pam. He had Pam. This is a girl he's in love with secretly and... He, he stuck all these sentimental gifts in the teapot. The teapot was sentimental and meaningful. And he stuck her favorite tea in there, uh, something nobody else knew, but he knew because he was paying attention. He stuck some, some cool, like, mementos from experiences he had. He stuck a love letter in the teapot. The teapot's a, a sentimental and beautiful gift, but it's kind of fragile. It's also one, one of those gifts that you, you stick in the china cabinet and you don't really pull it out. It's beautiful. It's really beautiful. You love to look at it once or twice a year, maybe like Christmas and Easter. You love to pull it out and maybe show people when you have company over. Like, it's, uh, it's kind of fragile, though. Like, as soon as things don't go well, as soon as things get a little difficult, you're kind of walking away from it, doing your own thing. It's not something that you really tie into every part of your life. It's just something that kind of sits on a shelf that you glance at from time to time. When, when I was looking at those kind of gifts from that episode, I'm like, man, that's like faith. Like, we treat the gift God's given us like those gifts. We treat it like an oven mitt sometimes. We pull it out when things get hot. We're really glad it's around when we got to grab the pan, when we're going to get burned. We're really glad we have it. But besides that, it's not really useful to us. Or it's like an iPod. We, we get excited about it, and, but it's quickly outdated. We're moving on to whatever's flashy or meaningful or provides us with a little buzz or excitement in a moment. Or maybe it's sentimental and fragile, and, it, and we walk away from it so fast we put it on a shelf and pull it out a couple times a year. Like that's a gift and how we treat this incredible gift. I'm not, ju- I'm not judging you. Like don't, don't, don't get this wrong. Like I don't want to come down on you. We all, man, we all got to pull the gift back into view and out of the drawer and realize how absolutely world-shaking this gift is. See, it's not cheap, outdated, and fragile. And and stop looking at this whole thing about Jesus as something that's cheap, outdated, and fragile. It's not any of those things. It's invaluable. You can't put a price tag on this gift in a manger. You can't measure how valuable it is and how, how much it can provide your life with value, meaning, and purpose if you would just receive this gift, receive it fully, take it fully. It's, it's, it's so valuable. It's not fragile. It's strong. This gift is going to be strong enough to stand with you in any storm, no matter what 
crazy turn life takes, no matter how difficult life gets, this, this gift is a strong gift. It's the kind of gift that will never leave you nor forsake you. It's the kind of gift that promises you victory and presence. It's the kind of gift that goes before you. This gift is a strong gift when people leave you and disown you. It sticks and stays. When people walk out on you, when, when they say bad things about you, this gift reminds you of your value and your purpose. This gift is a strong gift, and it's not an outdated gift. It's not something of your youth. It's a practical and useful and meaningful gift every day of your life. The gift is Jesus and who he is. And when you receive this gift, the gift just spills over and over and over again into every aspect of your life. Making all of you, making, redefining you, making you new. And man, the gift, it just keeps on, it keeps on giving. For to us, it's a gift for you, a child is born. For to us, a son is given. You see, this Christmas story was about God presenting you with a gift that you could never buy, a gift you could never earn with good behavior or religious action. It was a gift given from the greatest gift giver ever to us, for us. And the gift was himself. Jesus. In that, that passage in Isaiah chapter 9, for to us, in that very first verse, you got to check this out, you theology nerds out there, like those of you who are like wanting to get deep into it, like remember this, this next statement, like if you want to hang some meat, you know, you're like, man, like give me some, I want like the steak this morning, if you're thinking like, like that, right? Like this first verse, in this very first verse, in this prophetic promise, pushing us towards what's next, breaking through the darkness, saying there's light coming, like God's up to something. He's working in our world. He's going to provide salvation in the midst of it. Check this out. In this very first verse 6, you get the humanity of Jesus. You get the deity of Jesus. And you get the sovereignty of Jesus. Maybe you're like, why does that even matter? Like, is that even a big deal? Like, what's that? What's that theology? Like, I don't even know that's a big word. Like, how does that have anything to do with my practical life? How is there any meaning in it? You see, Jesus, he wasn't just some guy, some prophet, some teacher. He was God who became man. It's, it's the absolute centerpiece of the entire gospel message and it's in it's a it's a gift given in the sovereignty of God he, he knows all things he sees all things he holds power over all things he is a sovereign God like this was all man all God all time greatest gift ever the humanity of Jesus is absolutely shocking that God would send his son to earth. See, he was given. He existed before. In John chapter 8, verse 18, the, the Pharisees are getting, all the religious people are getting mad at Jesus. He's doing all these miracles. They're trying to test him and corner him. And they're challenging him. And he's like talking about how, yo, Abraham 
was happy when my time came. They all loved and respected Abraham, the father of their faith, one of the most important characters in their worship. They looked at Abraham, held him in such high regard and such importance. And Jesus is talking about his time with Abraham in heaven, like in eternity, as Jesus existed before. He says, yo, like Abraham, the guy you keep mentioning, like pretty much basically like paraphrasing, like we were just like, he was, he was rejoicing at the moment I came to earth. Like we were up there in heaven with the Father and it was time and Abraham was rejoicing at this moment. They get so mad at, at Jesus. They're like, what are you talking about? Like you, are you saying you're greater than Abraham? How could you have seen Abraham? He existed th- year, years and thousands of years ago. I don't know the exact number. You'll have to look it up later. Like, right? like he's, before you came, like what are you talking about? Abraham was, was rejoicing in this moment and Jesus said, this. He said, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. All God, all man, all time. This just wasn't some gift. The God of the universe for to us. The God of the universe, Jesus, the creator of it all, came for us. To be among us. In, in the Joseph passage, we didn't really talk about it in Matthew chapter 1 last week. But in the Joseph passage, it's, it's important to understand this name here. Um, we we kind of skipped over it intentionally because I knew we were doing this message today. But it says, uh, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him. You ready for this? the most important words you may hear today, right? Like Emmanuel. And I love when they throw up the parentheses in the Bible like God doesn't want you to miss it in his inspired word, right? Like he's he's putting up the parentheses here and he's putting a definition in the middle because he doesn't want you to have to go look it up. He doesn't want to waste any time. He doesn't want you to miss it in a moment. Like right here, it breaks out the definition. It says, which means God with us. The humanity of Jesus is so important. He came to earth as a baby in a dirty manger, born into poverty. He grew up, he hurt like you hurt. He experienced sadness like you experienced sadness. He knew what it was like to struggle. The God of the, see, there's nothing you can experience that he doesn't understand. The God of the universe, he understands. He doesn't just see you. He understands you. He understands what it's like. He didn't fail in any of those moments so that he could do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. He didn't fail as he was tempted, but he understands what it's like to be tempted in every way. He didn't fail in his anger, but he understands what it's like to be angry. See, there's no place you can find yourself that the God of the universe doesn't get. Maybe you're flat out broke right now. And stuck, and you're, you don't even know how you're going to come up with the next meal. God was born in a manger, in a stable. He, understands, he sees you and he understands. 
We talk a lot about the deity of Jesus, and it's so important. Don't get it, don't get it wrong. It's so important. And sometimes we don't talk about the humanity of Jesus. But it's his humanity that you can count on for his understanding. And it's a demonstration of how God with us means God's with you. His deity, he was given the child, humanity, he, the son, his deity, Son of God was given for us, to us, to us. His deity is so important because he can do for you what you can't do for yourself. He came on behalf with us and on behalf of us to accomplish for us what we could never accomplish on our own. I mean, talk about a gift. This is the greatest gift ever. You can't do it on your own, but you can do it through him. You couldn't save yourself, but God offers you salvation. You need forgiveness. Well, he paved a way for forgiveness. You need redemption and a second chance. Well, he sealed your chance at redemption and a second chance on a cross. Whatever you need, whatever you can't do for yourself, he has done for you, including, and most importantly, leaving an empty tomb behind. You could never give yourself life, but he offers you life that the grave can't steal his deity. In John chapter 1, it's talking about Jesus, and it says this. He calls him the Word, but it's talking about Jesus. It says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. From eternity through today, Jesus has existed. And it says, he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made and that has been made. And then check this verse out. This baby in a manger. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. The humanity, the deity, and the sovereignty of God. He knows all things. He sees all things. All things fall under him, his authority. God is in control. And whatever darkness you're in, these words in Isaiah remind us that there's always hope, that God's always doing something, and that he's already done the thing we need most. For to us, a child is born unto us, a son is given. He's the Emmanuel, God with us. But I love these extra names that busts out here. These, these extra names are so amazing. It says this, it says, Wonderful Counselor. I wonder which one of these names hits you hardest. I wonder which one of these you feel the most right now. I think depending on your circumstances, some of these speak louder than others in the moment. Wonderful Counselor for when you need direction and you need comfort, for when you need somebody to, to, to walk you through what you're going through, a wonderful counselor, somebody to be by your side, a voice in your ear reminding you of who you are and reminding you of who he is, wonderful counselor, a mighty God, a God who is strong enough 
to do for you what you can't do for yourself. A mighty God, there's nothing too big for him. There's no challenge too great for him. He can break down all the walls in your life. He's a, he's a mighty God. He can, he can do it. If he said it, he will do it. If he made the promise, he's going to follow through. If, if it's a promise to you, you can claim it. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father. The security. I know some of you don't have fathers who are any good. Maybe some of you do have fathers who are great examples of what a father should be. It doesn't even matter because this everlasting father is perfect and the security that comes from that relationship. The, the help that comes from that relationship for even those of us as wicked are we are that know how to give gifts to our children, how much greater does your heavenly Father give you what you need? And he's the Prince of Peace. He doesn't just give peace. He's the Prince of it. And where he is, peace will be found. I love this passage and these names. They give so much hope. You know that Yankee swap game? Some, some of you call it White Elephant. It's another name for it. The White Elephant Gift Exchange. You, you used to be famous at youth group events because kids would box up all kinds of crazy stuff and bring it to the White Elephant. You, you know where that comes? The King of Siam, legend has it. I don't know if it's historical, pro, historically proven. Legend has it that the King of Siam, which is now Thailand, started this whole White Elephant Gift with, guess what, like actual white elephants. So he would have these courtiers and people in his court and people that were connected to him and people that were other noblemen and people around that would annoy him or get on his nerves. And so what he would do in epic fashion, King of Siam, might I add, he would actually go get white elephants, these really big extravagant gifts, and he would give white elephants to the people that annoyed him. These gifts were big, they were extravagant, and what the King of Siam thought is I will ruin my enemies and the people that annoy me because they'll go broke trying to feed these things. The, the, the care for these extravagant gifts will be the end of them, the ruin of them. These white elephant gifts, are like now we talk about them, they're like big, extravagant, unuseful, and a heavy weight, like a burden. You, gotta, you go to the event, you end up with a box of, well, I guess toilet paper would be a good gift right now, like big, extravagant gifts that just are a burden. Listen, man, this gift of Christ, of God himself, for you, it's not a burden. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to him. Come to him and accept his burden for your life. Give him your life and see what he does. It's not just some big extravagant piece that you put somewhere in your world and you don't pay attention to. It's real and meaningful and practical and will fill your life with purpose and hope. It's important, and you can tell a lot about a gift giver by the gift they give, and you can tell a lot about the person receiving a gift by the gift giver. I mean, God, he loves you so much. He gives you this extravagant, beautiful, meaningful, useful, purple, the best gift ever. It's timeless. 
It's strong. It's invaluable. You can't put a price tag on it. You can't earn it. You can't do it for yourself. But like all gifts, you just receive it. I don't know where you're at. Maybe your faith is kind of faded to the background. You just need a reminder like, hey, this God of the universe loves you and gave himself for you a gift beyond all gifts. Maybe you just need to reflect on that gift and where you've been putting that gift in your life, how you've been treating that gift in your life. Maybe it's a gift you've owned, but you stuck it in a shelf somewhere like this year. Like bust it out of the junk drawer of your life. And get it back to where it belongs. Put it center stage and it'll fill your life with meaning. He has everything you need. And maybe you've never actually received this gift. It's time to receive it now. Take it for yourself through faith. Just say, God, I'm sorry for all of the sins and things, the ways I've missed the mark in my life. I need your forgiveness. I need you to do for me what I can't do. I accept this incredible gift in a manger, a gift on a cross, a gift in an empty tomb. I give you my life in faith. Make my heart new. And step into the greatest gift the world has ever seen. God, we thank you for this gift. You are so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen.